Dynasty Blueprint with Matt Williamson and Ryan McDowell. Welcome into another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined as always by Matt Williamson. Matt, are you staying inside, staying safe, staying healthy over there in Pittsburgh? Yeah, we've been pretty well quarantined. I do do a Steelers radio show Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I go to the station and come home and sometimes get groceries and stuff, but there's nobody there, and yeah, I use my Purell and all's well. All right. How about you? So far, so good. Yeah, yeah, just staying inside, teaching from home. I don't know that oh. that's very. I don't know if that's very productive. <laughs> it, it probably wasn't productive when I was at school, though, so that's okay. <laughs> Matt, we are going to cover free agency today. We we were really uh, tempted to talk about it last week. I know because so much had happened uh, even before the new league year had started, but we we held off, and and that's good because there have been several other moves that have happened since then. But we're covering free agency through our listener questions, so I think that's honestly a perfect way to do it. We'll see what's on the on the minds of our listeners, and we've got a guest to help us answer these questions. We've got my buddy from the DLF Dynasty Podcast and from DLF, Dan Myler. Dan, how are you? I'm good, Ryan. Thanks, guys, for having me back. I appreciate it. I always have a have a good time talking to you, fellas. Looking forward to covering a lot of these these moves from both a dynasty and a and a football standpoint. Yeah, absolutely, Dan. Normally, you're the one asking the questions, and I'm answering. And we're going to switch seats today, and we'll see how this goes. Uh, we got a ton of great questions, guys. We'll see how many of these we can answer, and of course, they cover. All of the big moves, the players that have signed, the players that have been traded, uh, Stefan Diggs and the quarterbacks and DeAndre Hopkins and Todd Gurley, and we'll, we'll get to them all. Let's start with the quarterbacks, though. A question from Dan, not this Dan, another Dan. How do you value Cam Newton and Jameis Winston now that they have flopped this free agency, both in one quarterback and super flex leagues? Guys, we talked so much about the quarterback position. We knew it was going to be maybe the most uh, the most exciting year at that position in free agency that we had remembered in some time uh, just because of the names available. And the more you looked at it, it became pretty apparent that there was going to be one or two of these guys that we had been used to seeing at, in starting jobs lose those starting jobs. And right now, looking like that might be Cam Newton and Jameis Winston. Uh, of course, Cam was released earlier today. We're recording this on Tuesday evening. The Patriots need a quarterback. Maybe you could argue the Chargers need a quarterback. They've, they're claiming that they're rolling with Tyrod and most likely drafting a rookie. Uh, but obviously, Newton and Jameis Winston are losing value. And let's really focus on the super flex because I think it's where those two players matter the most. Dan, what, what are we doing with these guys? I've got them in, in almost every super flex league I'm in, at least one of these guys. And it's it's been a bad week for more than one reason. Yeah, rough week for sure. It's We're in scary territory with these guys and because most most likely you're just in a holding pattern. The the value has fallen in the tank. You're you're looking for an opportunity after an injury most likely and those those don't always come around, at least not come around in the, in the situation that you want. So likely we're, we're looking at signing in one of the not-so-great landing spots, signing on as a premier backup, one of those top-end backup quarterbacks, and, and hoping that whether it be Jameis or Cam, they get an opportunity down the road. So 
you know, unless they land in, in one of those two spots that you pointed to, unless they land somewhere that they can potentially compete, much like Nick Foles did when he landed in Chicago, there's there's just not a lot of those those chances out there. I've heard some stuff on Cam. Maybe maybe he follows his old head coach up to Buffalo and, and lands up there, but I don't see them passing on Josh Allen to give Cam Newton an opportunity as a starter. So those are the types of opportunities we're looking for. Maybe a backup somewhere that, that gets a chance. If, if you have them, if you're Ryan McDowell and you have them on all your Superflex rosters, <laughs> though, I just shake my head and, and say, wow, you, you got some work to do on that roster. You better better start hitting that hitting that waiver wire and hitting that, hitting that trade market to see if you can find a starter somewhere because these guys most likely won't have one of those opportunities. Yeah, Dan, that's well said. I, I could, we we're taping this on Tuesday evening, so if news does break between now and when you're listening to it. The other option, you mentioned him following his former coach. Maybe I think he ends up in Washington, you know, following Rivera. I don't know that they're super happy with Haskins, his work ethic, all those type of things. I think that's where you kind of keep your fingers crossed that Cam ends up there. I keep calling him San Diego. The Chargers are the ideal landing spot for any of these guys, but they sure seem like Tyrod in a first-round pick. I mean, could Belichick be sitting on his hands waiting until Cam was free and then he grabs him? Maybe. Um, but in the end, I think if you have them, like you said, it has to be a holding pattern. But I would be kicking the tires on acquiring them right now. I mean, they're both such massive producers when they're in. They're both going to start games in their career again. Matt Jameis is is still obviously pretty young. He's He's, what, five years into his career now, still in his 20s. Is he a guy the Steelers might take a look at, let him sit for a year, maybe even two years? And then when Ben is done, they've got their starter in place. You hear that a lot and I th- from national media. And I think why is, like everybody, you're trying to... He's going to play for somebody this year, and nobody seems to have a good fit. So he's kind of like Ben. Put him behind Ben. Sure, that makes sense. Seriously, don't have any money. You know, I mean, they, they, they think Rudolph can develop into a number two. Um, last year... Who knows if that was, you know, if that's a good way of judging that or not. Um, but I don't see it happening. They just don't have the cap space, and they would rather go sign a nose tackle or, you know, they, they signed Ebron and Wisniewski and people like that as opposed to the backup quarterback. I think Rudolph's the backup, and if they were made of money and had all the cap space in the world, maybe, but I just don't think it makes sense. Yeah, that's fair. All right, so not good news with those two. Let's talk about Stefan Diggs, this question from Mike. What are your thoughts on Diggs to the Bills? If someone wanted him, what would you feel comfortable with in return? So let's just start, Dan, with with your general thoughts on Diggs. And if you do have him, are you selling? Uh, Or if you don't, are you buying? I guess, do you consider him a buy or sell with this, this move to Buffalo? I think there's a argument to be made on both sides, most likely with Diggs. The, the real concern I have with Stephon Diggs landing in Buffalo is he's a similar player to John Brown, you know, a, a route runner that has speed that can work both vertically and in the short intermediate area. They they are similar players, and I don't know if their route tree will, will remain similar now that they're on the same team and and with that quarterback in place the guy that's not the most uh accurate short 
short distance thrower and a little bit a little bit more of the the loose cannon and the and the guy who wants to go downfield that can be both positive and negative for Diggs. Diggs is a guy that that can stretch the field, but when we see him at his best, he's working that intermediate range, that medium range, deep crosses and and uh and getting that rack yardage using his athleticism. So, while he's similar to John Brown, they're going to have to get creative to use these guys in different roles and maybe move them in and out from the same role from time to time. So I wonder a little bit if they're going to, if they're going to share and work off of each other, or if one guy will, will take the reins a little bit, most likely if one guy does, it's probably digs. Cause I think most of us would agree that he's the more, uh, the more polished player, the more, the, the more explosive player and the, and the guy that has the most talent overall. So as far as his dynasty value goes, I don't know that it changes a whole lot. He's used to working with an even better receiver than than he has in John Brown now. Uh, Adam Thielen has been has been the pseudo number one or the one B in Minnesota across from Diggs for so long that that it's not a super scary situation. And and the quarterback situation, there's an argument to be made that it may be improved, especially with Diggs's athletic profile and and his ability to get down the field. Either way, I, I think I'm in a holding pattern, which isn't what a lot of dynasty owners want to want to hear. I've bought and sell dig sold digs more than any player over the last few years. I like him. I like him as a player. He's a guy I want on my team, but he's certainly a guy that I want as my wide receiver too. When he was in Minnesota, he's a guy I still want only as my wide receiver too. Now that he's over in Buffalo, so considering he's going for like mid first round rookie picks. That's a, that's a steep price to pay. If I can get the 105, I'm pro- 104, 105, I'm probably selling. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I am and and when we see these players on the move, we want to quickly analyze their value. Are they are they risers? Are they fallers? And so this might not be the answer you want to hear. I I just kind of see Diggs maintaining his value basically because of what you said there, Dan, even though he's presumably the number 1 now in uh, in Buffalo, I think there's also some questions when it comes to Josh Allen, when it comes to the offense in general. So I really feel like he's he's still worth about the same as he was uh, a week ago. Mike has a couple other questions. Let's hit quickly on Hayden Hurst. Of course, he goes to Atlanta. Mike wants to know if he can be the new Austin Hooper. I kind of think he does. he can be. Dan, what do you think? Yeah, I think he can be as well. They're similar players, really. Neither are athletic freaks or the guys that you really expect to spread the field or stretch the seam a whole lot. While they can get down the seam a little bit, a lot, it feels to me when I watched Austin Hooper, he fed off those other receivers in Atlanta so much. Those guys were, were working downfield, opening up spots in zones, and Hooper was very good at finding those creases and finding those spots to sit down and catch passes from an accurate quarterback. Hurst has a lot of those same skills, and, and while a lot of us as dynasty owners over the last couple of years, Hurst's first two years in the league, we've, we've felt like, oh, he's just buried on that depth chart. He's not getting the opportunities. When he has had those opportunities, he's made the best of them. But in a lot of those similar situations where he's finding those openings in zones, catching the ball, and uh, and not really depended on to, to get stretch the field or, or get a lot of rack yardage, 30 catches for 349 yards and two touchdowns last year. That's pretty good production for a guy that is seen as that number two weapon at tight end in any offense. 
I think they they kind of bought a guy that has a lot of upside, a lot of similar upside as what we saw with the former tight end in Atlanta. And I wouldn't be surprised if he puts up maybe not the same production as Hooper, especially this past season when he was on the field, but good enough production that dynasty owners and fantasy owners everywhere can slide him into their lineups on a week-to-week basis. Hmm. You're a little more optimistic than I am. I mean, just because... I think the situation's awesome. I mean, the whole offense is first-round picks. I think the offense has a chance to be extremely good. I just think even if you put Hooper in this this offense, that would be his best year of his career. You know, like, I, I think he maxed out last year, and I think Hurst will be useful. I think he's a borderline, I don't know, tight end 10 to 15, something in that neighborhood, probably week to week in a redraft world. But I wish I saw a little more of him. And his age doesn't worry me because tight ends take a long time to develop. But I think it's noteworthy. Yeah, all fair points. Uh, Let's move on. Next question comes from Colin. Uh, Colin wants to know, what's a reasonable price to pay for Kyler Murray? Of course, we know Kyler Murray did not move, but his stock is on the rise. His value is climbing because he got a new number one receiver in the form of DeAndre Hopkins. <clears throat> and again, let's focus the quarterback talk on Superflex since uh, that is not only a, a, a growing format, but also uh, the one we like to play. And when you're talking quarterbacks, they, they honestly just don't matter uh, in that one quarterback format hardly at all. So Kyler in a Superflex format, I don't even know, Dan, if now is not a good time to buy Kyler Murray. I've been I've been saying all offseason, buy him, buy him, buy him. You know, he's a discount to Sean Watson, and and that's that's changed quickly. I think he's probably worth more than Deshaun Watson at this point. Yeah, it's become a conversation instead of the conversation that we had late last season and into the offseason of that there's a top three, there's a top three in Dynasty. Uh, now it's becoming that top four conversation, and, and a lot of it has to do with that, that huge weapon moving over uh, from Houston to Arizona. So I, I completely agree. We're, if you're talking about what you'd have to give up to acquire, we're, we're past the two firsts limit now. It, it seems like you're giving multiple first-round picks plus. Unless maybe one of those first round picks is in this draft and it's a top three or four pick, maybe you can get away with a with a two first kind of offer. Uh, I think that's probably the starting point if you're trying to go buy him. But I don't think it gets done, Ryan. Is Kyler a clear first round pick in Superflex now? Startup? Yes, I think so. Okay. Um, yeah, I've been I've been monitoring a a current. Uh, Superflex draft that's going on. Uh, Evan Silva has been writing about it. He's involved, and a lot of our friends, Curtis Patrick, and and many others uh, that we've had here on this show are taking part in that. And Kyler Murray was definitely a first rounder. I think he was the ninth or tenth pick. And Evan suggested that maybe he should have gone even earlier. Hmm. And I, I think so as well. I, I think he's just uh, just a step behind. Uh, th- those top two of Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes lost do, lost my train of thought there. <laughs> do we all like them more than Watson? I do. I think he'll run more. Yeah, I've, I've after that trade, I moved him above Watson in my rankings. Dan, are you still you still prefer Watson or have you? I flipped? prefer Watson slightly, but I I'm not going to argue with anybody who made the switch and made the move. I'm concerned about the weapons, of course, in Houston. But I'm, I'm willing to give them the rest of the offseason to try to put something in place to replace 
DeAndre Hopkins, at least long term, maybe through the draft? Yeah, well, it's it's just a, a scary situation with what the Texans are doing because it, it just doesn't make sense. Nobody really knows what they're doing. Let's go back to the quarterback talk a little bit. Our buddy Freakzilla has uh, some questions about the Patriots quarterback situation. He says, what scenario do you think is more likely for the Patriots at quarterback? He gives us three options here. And, of course, the Patriots are looking for a quarterback because Tom Brady uh, has signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that led to Jameis Winston being available that we we started the show with. So Freakzilla's options here. Number one, they sign Cam Newton and draft Jalen Hurts. Okay. I like that. Uh, they sign Andy Dalton and keep Jarrett Stidham as his backup. They start Jarrett Stidham and tank for Trevor Lawrence. Well, I think we can eliminate one. Uh, if they were to sign Cam Newton, I don't think they would also use draft capital on Jalen Hurts. Uh, so that that one doesn't seem very likely. So let's look at the other two, Dalton and Stidham as the backup, or just roll with Stidham and hope for a high pick. Matt, I, I I just can't imagine Bill Belichick tanking a year, just giving up a year. This is not this is not productive struggle that he's going for here, right? I agree. I mean, I I think there's a lot of ways to look at this, and if they stick with Stidham and Hoyer, I bet Hoyer's the opening day starter until Stidham's ready. See what Stidham can do. That might lead to a Trevor Lawrence situation, but I can't imagine. The top people in the Patriots organization walking into Belichick's office and say, hey, Bill, I think we're going to try to win two or three games this year. What do you think? You know, like, I mean, is he really going to be on board for that? I mean, I just can't see him possibly taking that approach, especially with a good defense. It might be the best thing to do for them, honestly, in the NFL landscape, but no way does Belichick sign off on that. Um, I don't want to dismiss the Cam Hurts thing, though. I mean, I think... No matter who his quarterback is, it won't be someone that makes a lot of mistakes. Like, to me, it won't be Winston. I mean, he, he he can't have a quarterback that hurts his team. I mean, that will not fly at all with him. But I bet deep down, I've said this all along, that the whole Brady saga, the most exciting thing for me is what do the Patriots do? How do they react once Brady leaves? And I bet deep down he's tired of playing against Mahomes and Lamar and athletic quarterbacks that... He may want to change things, but the offense is so entrenched. McDaniels is so entrenched. They're not going to tank. Are they going to blow the whole offense up? I don't know. I mean, part of me thinks he might just do Hoyer and Stidham, squeak out eight wins somehow, and then say, I'm done. It's all you, you guys can have it. You know, all these options, they're, they're, they're fun options. Yeah. They're, they're fun to think about it. And, and uh, you know, part of me wants to mix and match between them. I, I don't really see the Dalton thing. I don't really see the Cam thing happening. Certainly agree with you, Matt, on Winston that that's not going to happen. I feel like they have a little bit more faith in Jarrett Stidham than the general public, the, the general Joe football fan, and maybe even the biggest of New England fans. So I think Jarrett Stidham is at least part of the plan. He he may be plan B or plan C, but he's he's on the radar for Belichick and and that front office. Um Dalton as I said doesn't seem like a fit. 
I like the Jalen Hurts one. You know, yeah. maybe it's a mix of of Hoyer and Stidham and somebody like Hurts. Maybe maybe not a first round guy. Maybe it's a little farther down in the draft. But I, I feel like they're going to draft a quarterback this year. I don't think. I agree with you guys completely. I don't think they're tanking for Trevor Lawrence or, or tanking for anything for that matter. I mean, I can't imagine saying you have a seventy eight percent winning percentage. How about you just throw that away with a two and fourteen year? You know, like that ain't happening. That ain't happening. <laughs> All right, Dan, this one is just for you. Question from Brian. Brian says, Would you rather have Calvin Ridley or Allen Robinson going forward? Does the addition of Foles and Hayden Hurst move the needle for you one way or the other? Calvin Ridley or Allen Robinson? You like both of these guys quite a bit. Yeah, I've liked them both for a really long time. They were they were both my wide receiver ones in each of those particular draft classes. Uh, I've, I've documented my love for Calvin Ridley. Haven't talked as much about A-Rob and, and really like what he did in Chicago and what he has done and, and project, projected going forward, if he feels like still a buy, a guy that I want to add to my teams. I can say the same for Calvin Ridley. The second part of that question, the, the additions of Foles and Hurst, I don't think they necessarily move the needle. needle. I've already talked about Hurst and, and how I feel like he's a nice replacement for Hooper. He can find those those spots in the zones, those openings to create that outlet. That doesn't really affect Calvin Ridley. As long as Julio Jones is on the other side, Calvin Ridley is going to see single coverage. He's going to get chances down the field, make those splash plays, and still play underneath to collect those four, five, six catches underneath to get this, those PPR points in weeks that he doesn't hit over the top or in the red zone. They're both really safe. I feel like I want Kelvin Ridley quite a bit more than Allen Robinson at this point because the upside is just through the roof. Maybe that's just because of the quarterback and the other weapons in place in Atlanta, uh, and that doesn't necessarily exist in Chicago. I think they're similar talent-wise, but because of the other pieces that are in place, Ridley has the higher upside. Ryan, who would you pick, and then I'll give my opinion on it. I'm I'm on Ridley as well, but probably a, li- a little bit closer for me. But I'll, I'll take Ridley also. Me too. Um, I think Allen Robinson might be the most underrated football player mm-hmm. in the NFL. And poor guy's been catching. Agreed. I mean, from terrible quarterbacks. And I don't know the Foles is much better. Uh, Ridley's younger. And my opinion on it is Atlanta's going to score a lot more points than Chicago. I mean, they're going to be in shootout after shootout in domes and with bad defense where the Bears style of play is going to be drastically different. And I think there'll be a lot of throwing in the fourth quarter for Atlanta. I don't know if that's the case in Chicago. Uh, Folks, by now, most of you have probably heard of Reality Sports Online, the powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team, just like an NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? It's time to go see what all the buzz in the Dynasty community is about. Free agency, multi-year contacts, or contracts, a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated contract and salary cap functionality, and much, much more. Think that sounds complicated? It's not. The best thing about Reality Sports Online Fantasy Front Office is that it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires more strategy. So if you think you're among the fantasy elite, well, this is a platform to test your mettle. Still not sure? You can test out your general manager for skills for free in a mock-free agency auction. If you like what you see, use our promo code BLUEPRINT to receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. 
Let's talk about the running back position a little bit, guys. Uh, Lionel wants to know, is it a good time to sell high on Daryl Henderson? And if so, what's a reasonable ask in return? Of course, we know this comes from the Rams parting ways with Todd Gurley, who landed with the Falcons. We'll talk a little bit more about him later. Let's focus on Henderson. <clears throat> Let's focus on Henderson right now. Dan, buying or selling? Well, I, I've bought and, and I've sold in the last handful of days. So I, I, guess, um, I, I guess I bought Henderson in the, day, the day before the Gurley news broke. So I, I don't know if that's an accurate representation of, of maybe what his value has changed. I really don't think the Dynasty community as a whole has caught up to what this does to his value and, and does for his value. It feels like the trades that I've seen involving Daryl Henderson tip towards the Daryl Henderson side, in my opinion. If, if you're not getting a very nice a, a first-round pick, a nice first-round pick, I, I can't say I'm selling Daryl Henderson. Most likely, especially if you drafted late last season, you invested a pretty high draft pick into Daryl Henderson. So I don't know if Dynasty owners are forgetting that or because Daryl Henderson didn't get a lot of opportunities in his rookie season and the limited amount of opportunities that he had, he didn't make a whole lot of splash plays. Henderson has an, a, a great opportunity and potentially a very, very good offense. So we should... We should be valuing valuing him that way. I've sent a couple of offers trying to trying to buy Henderson based off of what I've seen in the last handful of days since Gurley has moved on from Los Angeles and, and hasn't haven't gotten any bites. I think a lot of Daryl Henderson owners right now are probably guys that invested a lot in the draft last year and want to hold on and see what happens. If you can get him for anything less than than a mid first round pick or or maybe a mid to high first round pick. Oh you should be investing in Henderson. Wow. I agree with a lot of that, and I disagree with some of it. I mean, I just love this rookie class so much that I don't know that I'd rather have Henderson than Jalen Rager or, you know, Akers or who. I mean, a lot of these first-round guys that I like a lot. But, I mean, I think that their O-line will be improved. They're going to play a lot of double tight end sets. I do think it'll be a good offense. I trust McVay. I don't know that Henderson is a workhorse guy all through and through. Could they draft Dylan or whomever, a fourth-round back, a third-round back? Absolutely. Malcolm Brown still looms. But my question to you guys and you know, to you, Ryan, if we had a dynasty blueprint 365 days ago or even a little less, you know, rookie drafts are going on, and I told you Todd Gurley's not going to be a Ram next year, where does Daryl Henderson go in the rookie draft? Well, if you were playing Dynasty last year, then you probably remember the the Henderson hype, and it got crazy. It got really crazy. There were people taking him as a top two or three pick last year with Gurley in place, and of course that had to do with questions about Gurley's health and and everything else. But the the hype was already crazy, uh, even without kind of seeing seeing the writing on the wall and that that Gurley would be gone sooner than later. So. Yeah, if you tell me that I can uh, wait one year and Gurley will be gone, then I think he would have been locked in as a top three or four pick in in basically every draft. And because of that, the asking price that Dan mentions kind of fits. Um, I definitely don't think you should sell him for less than than a first, for sure. Next question from uh, from Frank. Frank wants to know, Joe Burrow at 2.01, is it too early 
in a one quarterback draft. He mentions that his only starting quarterback is Russell Wilson. So we'll we'll move away from the free agency news. Frank snuck a, a rookie draft question in, in here on us, but that's okay. Joe Burrow is an early second rounder. Dan, what are you what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. It is too early to <laughs> to draft Joe Burrow in a one quarterback league. I you know I'm one of these guys that that waits on the quarterback, continues to in these single quarterback leagues. And, and the name that you mentioned at the end shouldn't factor in, but it absolutely does. You have, a, you have a very good, solid, at the very least, starting quarterback in a single quarterback league. The 201 can be one of those guys that Matt just mentioned. It could be that right. guy. It could be Jalen Rager. It could be, it, it could be somebody that, that is dynamic and a guy that you put in your lineup every single week. Not a guy, Joe Burrow, that most likely for the first year, two, maybe even longer than that, you're playing mix and match with your already stable starting quarterback. I'm always going to roll the dice on the elite upside at another position over the quarterback position. I totally agree. I like Burrow a lot as a prospect, but he's never going to be a great runner. I mean, he's okay. Um, he's not going to be a top five type quarterback in the next couple of years. He's not a special dynasty one quarterback player. So, no, I mean, send your third-round pick for Teddy Bridgewater. That guy will say yes in a heartbeat and you have a backup. Or, you know, Rivers. Or There's just so many other options you could pursue. You don't have to get younger at quarterback or worry about those type of things. Yeah, I agree as well. That's earlier than uh, than I would take Burrow or, or most quarterbacks. For the record, according to our rookie ADP over at Dynasty League Football, Joe Burrow is the 14th overall player, that, which would be the 2.02. Really? Uh, assuming, oh. assuming this is a 12-team or so. It, it's not out of line. It's not crazy looking at, uh, at the uh, players that we know for now will be available. Uh, but... Just personally, it's earlier than I would, would take Burrow, and, and these guys agree. <clears throat> Next question from John. This is, uh, this is I guess, our most recent news today, and the Panthers were busy. They dump Cam Newton, as we already talked about, and they bring on a new wide receiver. Question from John. Can Robbie Anderson and Curtis Samuel both be trusted, or are there too many mouths to feed in Carolina now? So we know, uh, we know of course, Carolina has... Uh, basically, Christian McCaffrey is their top target. They also have DJ Moore, who is uh, quickly emerging as as one of the top wide receivers in a dynasty format. They've got Curtis Samuel. Now they have Robbie Anderson. They also have a young tight end in Ian Thomas. Are there too many mouths to feed? And if you're choosing between Robbie Anderson and Curtis Samuel, Dan, which one would you want? Ryan, I th- I think the most uh, most important word in that question is the word trusted. I, I don't think I trust any of these options. Now you mentioned McCaffrey, of course, he's very trustworthy, and I I absolutely I absolutely want their number one wide receiver in DJ Moore. But beyond that, there there's not a lot of trust to be had in Carolina, especially considering the question marks surrounding. Uh, everything in that offense, new coaching staff, new offense put in place, Teddy Bridgewater now under center. Um, we don't know exactly how that will all gel. I think there's chances that Curtis Samuel has very, very big games. I think there's chances that Robbie Anderson has really, really big games. And and if you're going to trust Robbie Anderson for anything, it's probably that the week that you finally get 
gets sick and tired of his two for 11 yard stat line, he's going to go off for three touchdowns and, and two of them be deep balls. So if, if you want to trust him, I'd trust him as an ad in a best ball league. But outside of that, I don't really want Robbie Anderson on my team and certainly don't want him near my lineup in a in a team that's competing for a title. Yeah, I think the Panthers in the real world have done a really good job upgrading their line a little bit. Really good set of weapons, but I'm not a t- I'm not a Teddy guy. I am a little interested in Walker, who they signed, but that's a different story for a different day, probably. But I think this this signing really hurts Samuel and Anderson's value a lot because there might not be too many mouths to feed. They'll be losing a lot. There'll be some garbage time. But that's one too many deep ball mouths to feed, and I don't think Teddy's going to drive the ball down the field very much. Yeah, I totally agree. Seems like arrowed down on both, uh, on Samuel for sure, and, and potentially Anderson as well. Although I'm just glad he found a job. I was starting to worry he would just end up back with the Jets. <clears throat> Next question comes from Durs, and he wants to know about Austin Eckler's value. He's another player who didn't change teams, but maybe has seen his value climb uh, because someone else did. Uh, the Chargers. As expected, let Melvin Gordon go. Um, Melvin Gordon and now in Denver, and Austin Eckler left to uh, to blow up with the Chargers. How are you? How are you looking at Austin Eckler and his dynasty value right now, Dan? Oh, I love it, and I should tip my cap to you on this one, Ryan, because you were talking about how you had Cam and Jameis on so many of your Dynasty and Superflex rosters. I've seen your rosters, and all of them have Austin Eckler as well. You were buying them for pennies a year ago at this time. So uh, to you, great job. I hope all the listeners of the Blueprint did follow your advice back then because his value has, has grown so much over the last year. And really, like you mentioned, so much even in the last couple of weeks since Gordon moved on and, and signed in Denver. I think the he, he just has such a high floor, especially in PPR leagues, all the all the playing time. He's he's really a three down back, which is odd to say of a guy that's five ten and two maybe two hundred pounds. Uh but if you watched him throughout his his the beginning of the 2019 season and, and saw how much he was on the field, how much they were using him as a pass catcher as well as a runner both on the perimeter and between the tackles. He profiles as this guy that you can t- depend on as not only a guy you want in your lineup every week, but also a running back one, really. When you're adding 12, 15 carries on top of 5, 6, 7, 10 catches – uh, that's elite kind of upside. He's They don't shy away from him, even at the goal line, both as a rusher and a receiver. There were so many times where you'd see him spread the defense out with multiple wide receivers and then hand it to him up the middle on a draw, even at the goal line. Those kind of opportunities, they should uh, present themselves in 2020 and beyond. I'm looking at him as a low-end running back one, and if you can get him even at those prices, I think it's a safe Safe bet that he ends up there. Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, they just showed confidence. They gave him a nice contract. One thing that's it's not a big sticking point, but say what you want about Phillip Rivers. He's about the best in the league with Brady at getting the ball to his backs in space. So a rookie or Taylor or whomever is, is, is in charge of the Chargers offense probably won't do that as well. But And they might draft a Dylan or a Moss or somebody like that that vultures goal line carries. But he's a really good player, and I don't think he's going away anytime soon. 
Looking at our current ADP again at DLF, uh, Austin Eckler is the RB16, uh, which mm. feels kind of low when you when you yeah. hear that. You look at the players around him. J.K. Dobbins is being drafted just ahead of him. Cam Akers is being drafted just behind him, so that puts his value somewhere around that uh, 1.4, 1.5, 1.6 range, uh, which that thinking about it that way feels a little uh, a little more on you know on the nose i think who are some of the veterans being picked taken uh, slightly ahead of them don't tell me like fournette or Gurley or any of those guys well fournette is ahead of him really? uh actually by by nearly a full round so yeah fournette's hmm. ahead of him uh, it's a lot of it's a lot of rookies of the um uh, let's see of the five players and these are uh, the five running backs directly ahead of him it's three of the rookies, Taylor Swift and Dobbins, uh, along with Fournette and Miles Sanders. So uh, that's that's the range we're talking about, and and it's it's a big gap that gets us all the way up to the middle of the of the second round. So um, you know, it, it looks like he's maybe being viewed as the top of the third tier, let's say something like that. Next question comes from Evan, and this is really, for, for Dynasty players, probably the biggest story of the past uh, week to 10 days is the DeAndre Hopkins trade. Coming from Evan, what's Hopkins' value going forward? Dan, let's just start with this. Hopkins goes from Houston, of course, and, and Deshaun Watson, as we mentioned earlier, to Arizona and Kyler Murray. Do you think it's a value loss or a value gain for Hopkins in Dynasty? I'm... I fall on the side of the fence that I think it's a very slight gain. And I know a lot of analysts out there and a lot of dynasty owners say, oh, it's a, it's a slight fall off. It's very slight, but it, but it is a fall off. And I, I like the upside of another quarterback, first of all, even a younger quarterback that likes to move around. We're still going to get those, those uh, second chance opportunities when Kyler's moving outside the pocket and Hopkins has that extra second or two to uncover and make that catch uh, both down the field and, and in, in, in the short to intermediate range. And, and that's a lot of those, a lot of those plays that we saw that, it, that got us excited in Houston are, are plays that are kind of like that. So that still exists with DeAndre Hopkins, even though he's moving on. And another part that still exists, DeAndre Hopkins was used regularly as that quick screen guy or that guy, that, that bubble screen type of wide receiver. Get it in your playmaker's hands quickly and see what he can do with the ball in his hands. And that's still going to be part of their game in Arizona. That's a big thing that they do in that quick passing game. So while the offensive line is a question mark and, and while there are other weapons already in place in Arizona, none of those things scare me. DeAndre Hopkins is going to be the focal point of that offense still. I really believe that. And, and, you know, going back to the original question from Evan Hopkins dynasty value going forward, what is it? I think it's elite. Um, my concern, I only have one concern. Well, two, a lot of times when veteran receivers change teams, Amari Cooper aside, and there's obviously exceptions. Usually it goes a little worse than we all expected. It's because it's a new situation. It's a new scheme. Are they going to have OTAs? Are they going to minicamp? I mean, how much are they going to get to play together before the season rolls around? And my real concern, though, is his number of targets has to go down. I mean, his target share has to go down noticeably. Are the targets going to be better? I Are they going to be more efficient per target? I doubt it. You know, Watson's a pretty good player. They use Hopkins at all areas of the field, too. I just don't know that he's going to be a 180-target guy. 
Yeah, I think that's a fair point as well. And <clears throat> Dan, I thought I, I love that you pointed out kind of his usage and, and maybe how you expect that to continue in Arizona. But uh, I just worry that Larry Fitzgerald and, and Christian Kirk could play that same role on those on those quick screens and, and those short targets. So we will see how it plays out. He's, he's been top five, I believe, is is the number in, in targets for five straight years. So he'll he'll continue to see plenty of targets, uh, but but maybe not, maybe not what he's seen in the past. Dan, if I could just jump in real quick sure. and say, yeah. what what is the thing that that so many dynasty owners, so many Arizona Cardinal Cardinal fans, and just NFL fans in general said about that Arizona offense a, a year ago? Uh, especially at midseason when the offense was sputtering and they were wondering how they could get the ball into the end zone. We get it to the 30-yard line and can't punch it into the end zone. We're kicking mm. field goals. Uh, we're not giving our elite playmate. We don't have that guy that can get us in the end zone. Hopkins is that kind of player. Over the last five seasons, 11 touchdowns, four touchdowns, 13-11, and then down to seven again in 2019 he's that kind of guy that you can push the ball into in the end zone throw the jump ball up to that he has a huge catch radius a guy that can contort his body in the air and Kyler's gonna love that I really think that they they identified their biggest need as a guy that can catch the ball in the end zone and make a play on the football above the rim DeAndre Hopkins is that guy what if you could get Ridley in a future first for him though Ooh. Uh, I love Ridley, but give me the, give me the guy that's going to go. I still think 150 targets is is his number. That turns into 100 catches. That probably is 11 to 1300 yards, and and I think he's a double digit touchdown guy in 2020. I I hate to say it, but I think I'm I'm still taking Hopkins. So Dan, sticking with the the nuke topic, the Hopkins topic. Most people have Michael Thomas as their dynasty wide receiver one at this point. Uh, I do too. So is is Hopkins your two? Hopkins is my two. Okay, and it's and is a really easy two. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Feel really good about. And it. that's come that's coming from a Packers fan who uh, D- Devonte Adams is another contender. So yeah. that's yeah. That, he's he's that three. says a lot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now now the the green and green and yellow shows shows through. That's okay. <laughs> uh, Let's be honest. All right. right. Uh, last question of the day, guys, comes from Andrew, and uh, he wants to know about Todd Gurley. We've mentioned him a little bit, but haven't talked specifically about him and his his new situation. Signs the one year deal with the Falcons, uh, which a lot of people were were quickly picking that out as a possible landing spot once he was cut. Of course, he went to college uh, at the University of Georgia, so that was uh, those were some. Uh, dots being connected, low money deal, one year, five mil, five million, and then already just in the past few days that he's uh, he's signed, we're starting to hear rumors about a bad knee condition again. It feels like uh, last off season is playing out all over again. Uh, does does Todd Gurley see a bump in dynasty value from this move, Dan? A uh, slight bump. Uh- is there such thing as a short-term bump? Because uh, I, I think to to the guy who's to the dynasty owner that is contending wants to win a title in 2020 and is uh, RB two away from doing that. I think he gains a little bump. Now that's a that's a, that's a relatively small um, group of owners that you're shopping Todd Gurley to if you're trying to get him off of your roster, and I don't think that returns him to getting that running back one type price tag that 
that we're hoping for maybe as girly owners that are selling. Um, I, th- I think there is the potential, however, especially and now that now that this news about the injury and, and that's kind of resurfacing, maybe that creates a buying window for those guys that are, are really trying to add that running back to. I think there's a chance that you can buy them at running back two prices and in the short term get running back one, maybe low end running back one type of production. If that's the expectation, I'm okay with going and getting him for a contender. And if I'm a, if I'm not, if I'm not truly a contender or, or maybe even if I am, I'm trying to get low end running back one type return if I'm trading him, but I'm probably going to have to settle for, for running back one type of return if uh, if I really want him off of my roster. I mean, as we sit here in late March, I think Gurley's going to be on a lot of my redraft teams. I mean, I think he's in for a good season. We talked about that offense before. It's littered with first-round picks. I think a lot of points come out of the Falcons' offense. The knee thing, I mean, it, it, this has been his whole career, though. I mean, he's going to miss practice on Wednesday and Thursday, and they're going to have to manage him. And he doesn't run with the same burst and agility that he did two, three years ago when he was tearing the league up. But I think it's a bump in situation. I think he's going to be a fantasy producer. So for Dynasty, if I have him, I think I'm hanging on till week three and then shopping him. There is a little bit of risk, at least, involved in doing yeah. that, especially considering the knee. And, and, you know, there there was the report that they're waiting for that they can't really officially sign Todd Gurley until he gets that gets that doctor's OK, which which could throw a snag in things. It feels to me if you really want out of Gurley, Matt, you should sell now while, while he landed in Atlanta, because there are a couple of roadblocks that could keep him out of it. I agree with you that that it feels to me like a guy that's going to get that 16 to 20 touches as long as he's healthy. And that's a guy you want, especially in an offense that has those passing weapons. Teams defenses aren't going to be able to focus in on Gurley in that rushing attack. And they probably draft one. Right. Another roadblock. So if you, if you really want him off your team, take this as the good news that you were waiting. You got a bump, take it, get out. Is that your point? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great advice. Uh, guys, that's the end of our questions, but we've got a few players that we didn't touch on and we've got a, just a few extra minutes here. Let's try to go over some of those really quickly with a focus on their dynasty value. Dan, we'll start with you. Melvin Gordon to the Broncos. I was surprised he got uh, the type of payday that he did. Um, much bigger contract than uh, than Todd Gurley got. He's competing with Philip Lindsay, and maybe this means Royce Freeman might be out of a job soon. Dan, quick thoughts on Melvin Gordon. Uh, about as good as you could expect if you're a Gordon owner. That This yeah. is the type of landing spot. Maybe Atlanta would have been better had Gurley not landed there, but... It, it's not too bad if you're a Philip Lindsay owner. You're certainly concerned. Uh, our friend Matt from the DLF Dynasty podcast last week, when we were talking about this signing, pointed out that you know they really didn't Denver. I mean, didn't really use Philip Lindsay in that pass catching role as much as Dynasty owners would have liked. Is that going to flip over to Gordon now? Will he not get those those short catches that we that we really need for a guy to be a running back one if that happens he could take a dip in production 
especially compared to two seasons ago. Um, so I'm really interested to see how this coaching staff decides to use him. His value hasn't taken a good enough jump to really sell him and get, get enough for him, in my opinion. though. Like in the real world, I thought it was a good move because if you're going to spend more for a back coming off his first contract, the only time I can really condone it is I have a work-in-progress quarterback. I want to make his life easier. Gordon's a safety blanket. Okay, it's not good business, but it helps Drew Locke progress. Okay. But for fantasy, I think Gordon's probably your goal line guy, but this screams 50-50 split on a not-great offense to me. I don't think that pie's that big, and if they're splitting it down the middle, blah. Yeah, that that's a valid concern. Dan, if the price for Gordon is one12 in this year's rookie draft, are you buying or selling at that price? It depends completely on if I have the 112 because I won a title <laughs> last year, if that's the case. And I'm uh, I'm that running back two away from a tight, another a back-to-back, or I can slide Gordon into my flex potentially. That might that's the kind of move that can put you over the top. I don't I don't hate that move. Okay, so in it. a vacuum, so I'd the, rather have the pick though. Yeah, I think in a vacuum, I'd rather have the pick. I would yeah. too. Uh, an, a running back who I think gained value for sure is Kenyon Drake, who actually stays with the Arizona Cardinals. I've seen him in some some best ball and some redraft conversations being talked about as a top twelve running back, a guy to take in the late second or early third round of of those seasonal leagues. Matt, what do you think about Kenyon Drake? I mean, the guys we just talked about lately, I'd rather have Drake than Gordon or Gurley for Dynasty as well as Redraft. I don't know that they'll draft another back. I think it's going to be totally him. He fits that system extremely well. He's a space player. He's a receiver. He's not got a ton of tread off the tires yet. I mean, I, I all these conversations, I have a tough time giving up a first-round pick because I love... Mims and Rager and all these guys we're talking about, but Drake has a lot of value to me. Dan, do you want Kenyon Drake or Daryl Henderson? I want Daryl Henderson for the upside. I'm, I'm still a little, I, I'm optimistic about Drake, but it's cautious. I'm, I'm, I'm cautious about what I, what to expect. After he got to Arizona, everybody remembers the big game against San Francisco where he went over a hundred yards and, and scored the touchdown Things dropped off considerably after that until that late-season surge when he had back-to-back 100-yard games and and had that four-touchdown game, the two-touchdown game, and finished up with 12 for 60 and a touchdown against the Rams. There there was slim pickings in the middle there. And and Arizona, while it seems like they're making a big commitment to Drake as their number one back, they jumped around between running backs last year. So I'm not convinced that Kingsbury and everybody in Arizona – is thinking we're going to commit to one guy all season long. As long as he's healthy, he's our guy, and he's going to get these 15 to 20 touches. There is There are small red flags with Drake. I, I kind of want the upside of, of the draft pick. Like Matt said, if you have a, if you have a late, late first-round draft pick, I'd much rather have that than Drake. I think I'd slightly rather take Henderson, but it probably depends on team construction as well. Let's move over to the tight end position. And Matt, I'm going to start with you again because I want to ask you about Eric Ebron. Pittsburgh Steelers, go. I think him and McDonald are a 50-50 timeshare. It gives them another personnel grouping they can use as a big slot type guy. I think he'll catch a fair amount of touchdowns, though. They don't have a great touchdown producer in the passing game. Uh, I like the fit a lot as a Steeler guy. I don't love it for fantasy reasons. 
Yeah, I don't either. Uh, Ebron and McDonald at tight end. We know about the three wide receivers, and uh, depending on who you ask, those guys are are going to sp- split the pie fairly evenly. Uh, regardless, it seems like they have a handful of of options to catch passes, and that could that could hurt all of them. Yeah, yeah, and all that just translates to being a streamer in Dynasty at best, most likely. Yeah, he's he's another guy. Even though he changes teams, and and we we want to have this instant analysis, I just don't see his value changing much. For me, it's a, about the same as it was last year, which is uh, a low end tight end too. At this point, just he's just not worth much. If you can't start him, you know he's he's with his third team. He's on his uh his second or third contract, I guess, and it's just eh, he's just not that exciting. A little more exciting is Austin Hooper in Cleveland becomes the highest paid tight end in NFL history. Dan, what are you thinking about Hooper there? The I think you mispronounced most overpaid tight end <laughs> in NFL history. Uh, but that doesn't really matter for Dynasty, I guess, unless you think, well, they invested in him. They got to get him the ball now. The tight end position has not been a production machine for the Cleveland Browns. And, and that's the thing that sticks out to me. I elaborated early on Hooper's strengths. He He's that middle of the field, turn around and catch the pass. Uh, not necessarily a rumbler down the field or a guy that can stretch the field. That could fit in in Cleveland, much like it did in Atlanta, because there are those other pieces in place. Jarvis Landry, of course, uh, uh, the the OBJ as well. They, those guys can get down the field and create those openings. He can catch some passes, but Njoku's that athletic guy, and he never could. Maybe Njoku's just not that good, and Hooper can outproduce anything he ever did. I guess if you're a Hooper owner, that's what you're hoping for, but the upside is probably still mid to late tight end one production. Yeah, at best. Yeah, yeah I think so too. Uh, I think he's a player that probably lost production and therefore lost value with this move. Yeah, I, I said even before free okay. agency opened, he the second he signs, I am going to try to dump him no matter where he lands. I absolutely think the reasoning behind him is kind of sound, though. I mean, Stefanski does not play 11 personnel. They play 12 personnel. So it's not going to be Najoku versus Hooper, kind of like McDonald versus Ebron. They're going to be on the field together an awful lot. And I just don't know that the offense can support both those guys and Landry and Odell and two good backs. I mean... And I and to your guys' point, I just think he's kind of a catch-and-fall-down guy. I mean, he's not a special player. All right, guys, last one to talk about. Emmanuel Sanders lands in just about the perfect spot with the New Orleans Saints. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, Saints have been looking for a wide receiver, too, forever. Dan, they found a good one. Yeah, they found it. You you saved the best for last, really. And, and a guy that for dynasty owners, particularly the the guys like me, that when I'm a contender, I'm looking at these veterans, even veterans that move on to new teams and have new opportunities. And, and sometimes that does. While Matt made a good point earlier, a lot of these veterans, they take their time to progress inside an offense. There are times when it's the right fit, and this feels like it has the potential to be that right fit. He's never going to get double coverage. He's, he's rarely ever going to see the number one corner on on a defender on a defense uh so those all add up along with having a great running game and an elite 
wide receiver on the other side and, and, a, and a very accurate elite quarterback throwing him the football. That all adds up to really good things. He's another guy, I've mentioned it a few times, that if you can trade for him as a contender and slide him into that wide receiver three or flex spot to get over the top at those positions, those are really nice moves for contending teams. However, if you're, if you're the guy that's down in the dumps, rebuilding, or, or maybe even a middling team, uh, it's Emmanuel Sanders landing with the saints is a good thing for you too, because he regained just a little value, just enough that you can pedal him off to one of these contenders. I a hundred percent agree. I think he's in for a big year. He'll certainly be on my redraft teams. I would love to add him to a contender. I mean, the second receiver in that offense caught 119 fewer passes than Michael Thomas last year. Like, there's a lot of room here. <laughs> there's a lot of room here for spots for guys to catch catch balls. And Sanders was catching passes from Osweiler and Lynch and Simeon and still producing. I mean, now you give him Drew Brees hitting him in stride. He's gonna have a big year. Yeah, I think so as well. Easy buy if you're a contender because uh, the, the price just doesn't it doesn't go up very much because of his age. He's 33 years old already, so at most you're talking about a, a mid-second rounder, and if he's the piece that puts you over the top, that's probably worth it. Dan, thanks for joining us today. Loved uh, chatting with you about all these free agency, uh, all these free agents, all these players that change teams. It's been a wild week or 10 days, uh, and it, it has been certainly fun and had a big dynasty impact. Tell our listeners where they can find your work. Yeah, I'm over at DynastyLeagueFootball.com, senior writer over there. I specialize mostly in salary cap-related stuff. Also one of the co-hosts on the DLF Dynasty podcast. So give us a click, give us a listen, rate and review over there, uh, along with Ryan and Matt Price. I, I co-host that. So find me on Twitter at dmiler2022. I tweet less often than a lot of a lot of your popular follows but i'd like to think that it's good content when i finally do yeah quality over quantity for sure <laughs> there you go absolutely <laughs> thanks for joining us dan we'll be back next time with more dynasty blueprint